Good morning, everyone. My name is Mark, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And it's good to see all of you here in the room. Also, to have those of you who are joining us online, it's good to see your smiling eyes. Can't see your smiling faces. Speaking of masks, um, we know COVID numbers are going down. And the reason why we're still wearing masks is primarily because we've been asked to. This is a public building, public facility, and the mayor has a mask mandate for um, indoor public facilities. This is one of those. We, we have asked, um, I asked the principal um, yesterday during the fall festival, as, as numbers go down, if we might, as renting a public facility, if we might have the freedom to relax some of those uh, standards, protocols uh, for COVID, and she's going to get back with me. So for now, it's good to see your smiling eyes. Uh, stay tuned for more information on that. Well, today is a very special day for us as a church. We're wrapping up a year-long sermon series through the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to give you the opportunity to, uh, to talk back a little bit. Usually I'm up here talking alone, um, but this day is going to be different. We're going to have the opportunity to edify each other, encourage each other with the ways in which God has worked in our hearts through our study of the Gospel of John. So I'm just going to have a little mini-sermon today. Just one point in a mini-sermon. I have half the notes that I normally have. And in the second half of our service, uh, Michael and Bill are going to be running around with microphones, giving you a chance to stand where you are and share the ways in which your faith and your belief in Jesus has been strengthened through our study in this book. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to John chapter 21. That's the last chapter in the book of John. Um, if you don't, the words are going to be up on the screen, so don't worry. But if you don't have a Bible that you call your own, we'd, we'd invite you to visit our Connect Point afterwards. There's several Bibles there. Pick one that you like. That is our gift to you to take home. Let's pick up where we left off last week, beginning with verse 20. Right after Jesus has told Peter that he's going to die a martyr's death. If you would, stand with me as we read from God's word This morning, chapter 21, beginning with verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one whom had also leaned back against him during supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now there, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And that's the end of the Gospel of John. Pray with me before we dive in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautifully written narrative that paints such a, uh, a wonderful picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, as we put a bow on this book today and wrap it up, Lord, open our hearts up to what you want to teach us. As we see Jesus dealing one more time with the rough edges of Peter's heart, Lord, I I personally see a reflection of my heart there and a rough edge that you still need to take a chisel to. 
So Father, open us up to the work that only you can do by your spirit in our hearts through your word today. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned last week, chapter 21 is the epilogue to John's gospel. He's already covered the big stuff, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But now he's, he's dealing with one loose end, and that's the relationship between Jesus and Peter. There is some awkwardness there. Let's just face it. There is some tension because of Peter's claims. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus was telling um, his disciples a little bit about what's coming and how, how they're going um, to fall away. And, and Peter is bold and he says, Jesus, that's never going to be me. All these other guys might fall away, but not me. I'm better than that. He, and he even goes so far to say, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll die for you. But we all know what happens in, in chapter 18 of John. Peter falls flat on his face. He, he fails in his intentions. When push comes to shove, when the heat is turned up around that charcoal fire in the, the high priest's courtyard, and somebody says, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? Peter denies that he even knows Jesus three times in curse-filled denials. No, I don't know that guy. And then the rooster crows three times. Jesus knew that Peter would fail. He knew that he would deny him three times beside that charcoal fire. Jesus also knew that Peter needed to fail. Because only then could Peter's pride and his tendency to compare himself over and above the the other disciples be removed from his heart. Peter obviously felt a lot of shame over his failure, like we talked about last week. Matthew tells us that he went out and wept bitterly. And if you were here last week, we saw how Jesus very intentionally and lovingly pressed into Peter's shame. Jesus didn't let him wallow in it for very long. He he still had big plans for Peter. When he had said earlier in his ministry, you are Peter, a nickname that means rock. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus wasn't blowing smoke. He, he meant every word of it. He still has intentions to use Peter beyond his wildest dreams. If you missed last week's message, I'd strongly encourage you to go back and listen to our study of that threefold restoration and recommissioning of Peter. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. If you were here, you probably recall that Jesus began that restoration with a question. To Peter. And he said basically this, Peter, do you love me more than these other guys love me? Awkward question. Do you love me more than these other guys love me? And, and, and Peter answers it in a way that, that shows us that there was progress in his heart. He, he doesn't answer Jesus' question in comparison to anyone else. He, he just simply says, Jesus, you, you know that I love you. There, there's been some molding, there's been some shaping, there's been some chiseling off of some pride in, in Peter's heart. He's been humbled a little bit. You know, just a few weeks earlier, he would have answered that question totally different. He would have said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you more than these other guys do. But he's been humbled. There's been progress. But today in our text, we're going to see that Peter still needs a little bit of chiseling. He still has a nagging tendency to compare himself to others, to pridefully measure his worth by seeing how he stacks up with those around him. 
And as I studied these last six verses of John's gospel this week, I was really encouraged. Why? Because I have that same nagging tendency in my own heart, that same tendency that Peter had. I'm prone to measure my worth with how I compare with others. And the blunt words of Jesus to Peter here were liberating. They're liberating words that bring freedom from the depressing bondage of comparison. So let's dive in. I have this tendency. Perhaps you have this tendency. Perhaps you are also shackled by comparing yourself with others. And my prayer is that you'll find freedom in the words of Jesus to Peter. Let's dive in with verse 20 again. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Time out. Okay, who is this? John. It's our author. Good. You've been paying attention. I'm proud. The one who has been who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What about this man? Ah, Peter. (laughs) I just love this guy. Jesus had just told him that he's going to die a martyr's death. He's just told him that he's going to have a second chance to be the guy he always wanted to be, to be the guy who would lay down his life for Jesus. And the first thing out of Peter's mouth is, okay, but, but what about him? What about John? How does the way my life is going to end compared to the way John's life is going to end? If I have to suffer, will he have to suffer too? If my ministry is cut short and ends like that, will, will his as well? Ah, Peter, haven't you learned anything? Haven't you learned not to compare yourself to others? Haven't you learned not to measure your worth by how you stack up against the other disciples? And right here, Jesus, the stonemason, as we talked about last week, that's really what carpenter means. It's tecton, builder. They built with stone back then. Jesus is most likely a stonemason. Right here, Jesus takes his chisel to the rock one more time. Makes one more little adjustment. A little bit of tough love through some blunt words. Verse 22. Jesus said to him, If it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. What what happens to John, Peter, is none of your business. You worry about you. You follow me. Ah, the freedom that comes when Jesus gets tough. These blunt words are sweet to my ears because just like Peter, I need to hear them. This may come as a surprise to you, but I can get easily discouraged as a pastor. I'll go to a pastor's conference and get hit with an avalanche of suggestions, ministry suggestions. Here's how to preach like Tony Evans. Here's how to lead like Matt Chandler. Here's how to engage culture like Tim Keller. Here's how to write Bible studies like Beth Moore. Here's how to read 300 books a year like Don Carson. Here's how to grow your church like Rick Warren. Here's how to exposit scripture like John Piper. But, but here's the problem. I'm not Tony Evans. I'm not Matt Chandler or Tim Keller or Beth Moore or Don Carson or Rick Warren or John Piper. I'm just Mark Irving. And when I compare myself to the unique giftedness of individuals like that, I get depressed. I get down on myself because I don't measure up. And that's how we as sinners are wired, isn't it? Compare, compare, compare. We crave to know how we stack up against everybody else. And, And there's some kind of twisted fix that we get when we find somebody 
who's not as effective as we are. Ouch. <laughs> That's the condition of our hearts. And these blunt words of Jesus for Peter are exactly what my heart needed to hear this week. Mark, what is that to you that Tony Evans can preach the gospel so powerfully without notes? You follow me. Mark, what is that to you that Matt Chandler has the capacity to lead a global church planting network and pastor a huge church all at the same time? You follow me. Mark, what is that to you that Tim Keller has the ability to discern cultural trends and speak about them with such eloquence? You follow me. Mark, what is that to you that Beth Moore can write engaging inductive Bible study curriculum with ease, just like that? You follow me. Mark, what is that to you that Don Carson has dizzying intellect? You follow me. Mark, what is that to you that that Rick Warren has such visionary leadership skills? You follow me. Mark, what is that to you that John Piper can exposit more truth out of one verse of Scripture than you can out of an entire chapter? You follow me. Jesus will not judge me according to my superiority or my inferiority over anybody. No other pastor, no other church, no other ministry. Those aren't the standard. Jesus has called me to faithfully love and serve this local expression of the body of Jesus Christ. This local expression of the church to the best of my abilities. And he's only given me enough grace to be Mark Irving, to be me not anybody else. Perhaps you need to hear these blunt words from Jesus this morning as well. This tough love. Peter needed to hear them. I needed to hear them. How about you? Are you evaluating your worth based on how you compare with somebody else? What is that to you? Jesus says, you with your own unique giftedness, with the way I've made you, with the way I've packaged you and created with such intentionality, you, my beloved daughter, my beloved son, you follow me. Just one point in today's message, so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is all there is. Following Jesus frees us from the depressing bondage of comparison. Following Jesus frees us from the depressing bondage of comparison. He has work for each of us to do. He has special work for you. He has special work for me. He's created us each uniquely to do that special work. And his grace is sufficient for you each and every day for you to be you and nobody else. There's freedom in that. Freedom from the depressing bondage of comparison. What is that to you? That I've uniquely gifted other people in in different ways for the accomplishment of my kingdom work in their context. What is that to you? You follow me. I made you just the way you are. I gave you the giftedness that I gave you for a very specific person. I've put you strategically and supernaturally right where you are to be my representative. You follow me. Verse 23. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Speaking of John. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? 
Jesus, just speaking hypothetically, John did die about 30 years after Peter in the, um, in the 90s, 80, 90s. Verse 24, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and whom has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And this is how John ends his narrative. There's a lot of other stuff that Jesus did, but we don't have the pages to fill. The world cannot contain the books. And this is a bit of an echo of how John closed chapter 20 before he ties up this loose end in Jesus' relationship with Peter. Let's go back to that one more time, the end of chapter 20. I'd like for us to read this out loud together. It's verses that we've put up on the screen many times through our, our study because it's the main purpose of the book. John is expressing why he wrote this. So read these out loud with me together, beginning in verse 30 of chapter 20. Here we go. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John's express purpose in writing this book has been that you and I, everybody who reads it, will what? Believe, and by believing, we might have life in his name. That's been my, my prayer as your pastor, that as we've studied through this book, you, you would have grown in your belief, your faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that by growing in your belief, seeing a clearer picture of who he is, having your affections drawn toward him, that, that you would also find life, abundant life in his name. That's been my prayer. Now I'm going to go close this portion of our service in prayer, thanking God for this book, thanking God for our study of it. And after I pray, uh, Bill and Michael are going to jump up with microphones, and you're going to have an opportunity to stand where you are and share how has God strengthened your belief in Jesus through this book? Maybe it's a sermon you recall, a, a point that was made, a passage that stuck out to you, a way that you saw Jesus in a new light that you, you had never learned before and went, wow, that's so cool. I know it's not comfortable to do this kind of thing. Some of you, it's your worst nightmare to talk in front of people. I get it. That's okay. But this, this is for the edification of the body. You guys heard me talk enough, okay? We want to, I want to give you an opportunity to share with the body how, how, what you've learned, how you've been encouraged. If you're new with us, feel no pressure to participate. Just, just sit back and, and enjoy um, being encouraged by, by what we've learned through the gospel of John. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this book, this beautifully written narrative from an artist's pen. Lord, the themes, the, the events, your, your words that have been woven together in this book um, draw our affections towards you as we realize that you are indeed the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And that you now rule and reign at the Father's right hand. Thank you, Jesus. 
Father, as we respond now and uh, share how our hearts have been encouraged, give us the courage to do that, we pray. In Christ's name.